Modernizing security systems to strengthen cybersecurity resiliency has taken on new urgency at federal agencies following the executive order on improving the nation's cybersecurity. I'm Wyatt Cash on behalf of FedScoop and the Daily Scoop podcast, and here to talk about the progress agencies are making in security and the results of a new study are Norm St. Laurent, Federal Public Sector Marketing Manager at Cisco. Norm, thank you so much for joining us. It's great to be here. Thank you. So I want to kick off the discussion with the results of a new FedScoop survey that we've just released, where we asked 165 pre-qualified government leaders that included IT and security directors and managers and IT staffs about their perceptions around security, uh, recent incidents, and their strategies to improve security resilience. And I'd uh, love to get your reaction on a couple of the findings. One of them was um, that this group indicated that, in fact, more than half of respondents indicated that their organizations have indeed experienced a network or system outage in the past, uh, and that 44% also experienced the network or data breach. And uh, my question to start with is, uh, how, how do you see the degree to which uh, federal agencies have taken the right steps to reduce these kinds of outages? Well, first, they have a huge um, area of coverage, right? We can get into classified networks all the way from unclassed, uh, confidential, to secret, to the TSSCI networks. Um, we can get into a whole bunch of different areas, like Department of State with all the embassies across the world. So these guys, the federal government has a lot to cover, right? So having a network go down, um, you know, whether it be, you know, a firewall rule that's wrong or some sort of um, device, you know, that, that malfunctions, um, you know, it's, it's going to happen. And the percentage here, I think, is right on key uh, for all these guys. Um, you know, it's just going to happen. These networks are huge. Um, thousands of customers using them. And, um, you know, recycling the gear and buy new gear. Um, comes up every so often. So it is what it is. Um, but I think, you know, that the security operations centers amongst the agencies know this, and they're trying to put tools in place to help detect these kind of networks, um, outages and shortages. And in a related matter, uh, one of the other findings in the study was just the degree to which agencies are kind of wrestling with having a mix of modern and outdated security. For example, uh, 24% said they had what they considered modern security, uh, that is systems kind of could connect to one another. Um, about a third said, uh, gave themselves a rating of four out of five, another third, a three out of Five uh, and a, a decent percent still said they had somewhat outdated security. So uh, my next question for you is: How are you seeing agencies making headway in really modernizing their security systems? You know, I can tailor right off my last response with this. Um, these government agencies have a lot of ground to cover. As we know, um, <clears throat> getting the systems, the new systems in place. Um, they're up one or two years, and then they're outdated. And it takes a while for these customers, these agencies, to get these networks up. I mean, hard, good, hard help is hard to find, and that's just a fact. I've been in the federal security arena for over 35 years, and good help is hard to find. Um, 
and that's and that's just the way it is. As you go up the stack, the security stack, all the way up to TSSCI, help is even harder to find. So, you know, I think these numbers are on track as well, and agencies are doing the best they can um, to get tools up. It takes a little longer than expected for all agencies. Um, that is that is for sure. And once it's up, it's usually time to start looking around for the latest and greatest widget again. Well, speaking of widgets, I think one of the chronic challenges is the number of tools that agencies are continuing to work with. Uh, in in many cases, because they've come from an on-prem history, um, you know, they've assembled a lot of unique solutions that they've had to cobble together. Uh, and now, as they're moving to the cloud, uh, they're really needing new kinds of tools. So, I thought it was interesting in the study, for example, that more than half of respondents, um, you know. Uh, or, or rather about um, 44% specifically reported having 11 or more different security technology vendors working across their IT environments. And this idea of just how many different tools and the degree to which they are or are not integrated remains a key challenge. So again, what are you seeing? Uh, are agencies taking the necessary steps to simplify or standardize their security tools, particularly as they move to the cloud? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, in, my, in my relevant experience, um, seeing agencies put up their security tools, I've seen anywhere from 25 the 37 security tools alone in the SOC. The one thing that needs to happen with these agencies is they've got to start thinking of an integrated secure architecture approach. And this can only be done with integrated um, open, open industry standards. They're using open APIs so that, you know, Cisco can talk to XYZ company and XYZ company can talk back with Cisco, all that. Um, and, and then surely, you know, everybody says the swivel seat and the plane of glass, that makes it hard. Expertise comes and goes with these agencies. Um, and, you know, you get somebody knowing product A or product B um, and learn, you know, the plane of glass and how to move efficiently. And then perhaps that talent is gone within two years because contracts change, all that stuff. So it, it's a real nightmare and a fight to be able to, um not have a security architecture. So agencies need to be looking at a security architecture to have a win-win situation here. And just to follow on that, how, how do you recommend the agencies that, again, probably dealing with multiple vendors and probably uh, with uh, you know historic architectural frameworks behind them, how, how do you recommend that they uh, get to a, a more standard uh, security architecture? And you know, obviously, zero trust has been one of the ways forward. H how are you seeing this evolve, and what is your recommendation to agencies? Well, it's going to seem strange, but I'm going to go right into route switch. I mean, you need route switch just to move the data. And if you can use these WAN solutions alongside comprehensive security products um, and set yourself up for success with the security architecture by feeding data from your route switch environment, you're going to win. These devices are out there. Let's turn that network into a sensor. These devices can produce NetFlow, as an example, um, and pump this security data and other relevant data to, to systems to monitor and evaluate what's going on. And this goes for wired and wireless infrastructures as well. Um, you know, let's use the network to granular 
um, granularly used network segmentation, um, all the way to the port, the device, or even the person when needed. So that's uh, turn the network into part of your solution. You have it out there. Let's turn it on. That's what I say. Well, and for the sake of our listeners, I also mentioned the study covers a number of other areas worth noting, and we'll uh, link this study to the show notes of this um, uh, podcast. But for example, uh, we asked IT leaders to talk about uh, how well or how advanced they are in things like endpoint detection and response and extended detection and response, as well as things like secure service edge, uh, secure access service edge, Uh, and things like micro-segmentation. So take a look at the show notes and for that full study for more details on that. I think I'll just wrap up, Norm, with uh, one of the other things that we saw in the study uh, was uh, two things in around just the level of support for security. One was the staff sizes at agencies and found that, uh, for example, 42% of our respondents said they had at least 100 or more employees or contractors in their organizations, you know, having dedicated security roles and um, some big percentages having 50 to 100 or less. But another part of that was we asked agencies, do they use external response services for unexpected cyber events? And fully two thirds said that they did. Um, My question for you is how are you seeing the sort of security as a service component evolving on top of the actual uh, networking hardware so that agencies that in many cases are short-staffed are able to stay resilient? That's a great question. I think, you know, when you're buying your equipment, uh, agencies really need to shoot for that enterprise agreement and get two or three tools um, in all at once, possibly up to five um, good tools to conquer all their mission and then get services in with that bundled together so the price is less. Um, There's so much to cover, right? I mean, you have all these contractors, um, all this different talent. It really boils down for success is to be able to have a playbook, right? An incident response playbook. These playbooks are so important um, to have a guide to follow if a breach does happen and to make sure that response readiness is is set up for success. the different tools, the number of tools that we talked before, really having that game plan with playbooks um, will drive success for these agencies. Well, Norm St. Laurent, thank you so much for taking a few minutes to join us, uh, give us some of your reaction to this new study, and really talk about the bigger picture view of achieving security resilience in the federal IT marketplace. So thank you for joining us. Yeah, it's a great study. Uh, everybody should read it. It's um you know, high level enough to, to get a focal point and you can see what, what other agencies are doing and, uh, and this will help you uh, pinpoint some of the stuff um, and see where you fit into the landscape of cyber security. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm.